Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Hey, guys. Time for another round of Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. It is Tuesday. That means only one thing. James Franklin met with the media today. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Dave Jones. Dave, I hope you're doing well. And, you know, it was a pretty interesting uh, presser with James today. There's a lot of stuff out there about maybe his long-term future at Penn State. And obviously, they're coming off maybe, it. no, not maybe, the worst loss, I think, of his eight years in state college. And now they got to go play at Ohio state. So it's a pretty interesting week. He sounds like he's not doing well physically. He sounds like a very sick head football coach. I hope he doesn't uh, have anything too serious, but he, he sounded under the weather. what do you think? Oh, I, I tend to think he, he masks everything pretty much all the time. I think he thinks he's masking everything better than he does. You know, one of those guys. Yep. Yeah, I think he's kind of in a quandary here. I think he was interested in a couple other jobs. And when you're interested in a couple other jobs, at least one, you have to equivocate. I mean, let's face it here. If he wants to unplug all this speculation, all he has to say, and if he wants to eliminate the distractions to his team, as he says, all he has to say is, I intend, I'm going to be the coach at Penn State next season. So forget all this stuff. Didn't right. didn't Mike Tomlin just say that about the USC job? Yeah. yeah, he had a pretty emphatic response today. I yeah, think he said, it. never say never, but never. Isn't that what he said? <laughs> right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, James Franklin could do that at any time, and he hasn't. So right. what does that tell you? I, I always laugh at people who say, he's not going to leave Penn State. Why would we leave Penn State for a place where they have fires and crime? You know? Uh, there, it's possible to live in Southern California on seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars a year. It's possibly to, to live very well, and you don't live in the mountains; you live on the beach. So, while I don't begrudge him any move he might make, this dosy do where we're trying, we're supposed to believe that he's not distracted is, you know, it's BS. It is, right. and yeah. I'm sure he is, and I'm sure his team is getting that way. And that's why you get stuff like Illinois. I don't begrudge anyone's movement for the career. Why would you? But just don't try to bullshit me, you know? Just don't. Right. That's, that, that's, when, that's where I draw the line. Yeah. Uh, one bit of news. Uh, I guess there was a report out there that James changed agents. I think it came out on Monday. It was last night on Pro Football Focus. Yes, and he was asked about that uh, first question uh, for the press conference, and he said, I under- I'm paraphrasing, I, under- I understand this is being reported now. 
This is something that happened over the summer. Yeah, well, it, it started being the buzz was started to be heard over the weekend. And I heard it. I heard it in passing somewhere on Saturday. Um, it became the pro football focus guys are very plugged in with agents and they confirmed it and frankly didn't deny it. But I wonder, you know, there's there's a way to say that that, well, it happened in the summer. Well, he might have been thinking about it in the summer and not really pulled the trigger on it. There's a way to equivocate that, too. But the, the advantage he holds there is that Trace Armstrong is old agent. He, he knows he's not going to talk about it because it ne- never looks good. If you saw Jerry Maguire, it doesn't look good to publicize that you lost a client. But he's not going to talk about that. And, he, and, and Franklin knows it. And, and Jimmy Sexton, uh, the, new, the super agent he has now, he's, he's not going to go blow, blow, blow some, some sort of promotion about it because he hasn't signed Franklin to anything yet either. And the, the, he knows that he owns the rhetoric in this, so he can say that. He can say whatever the hell he wants, and pretty much no one's, no one's going to contradict it. Right. So, so the, the answer is who knows. <laughs> right. Anything else strike you, uh, Dave, about the uh, news conference? Obviously, they're, they're hosting or they're visiting Ohio State this Saturday at the Horseshoe and Night Game. Yeah, what struck me was that he said twice about <laughs> distractions, which I tweeted out. Distraction is of this buzz around his future. Uh, isn't the, could this be too much for uh, players and everything in the program? He goes, we're focused on Illinois. Twice he said this. So what does that tell you? A little bit ironic. Also, you know, if he was seeking other work and then all of this recent, the, the Iowa game is one thing, but the Illinois game is, is something totally else. Woo! Yep. And it's hard to explain other than at least a little bit of distraction. Isn't it to you that yeah. they would lose to that team? That was arguably the worst team in the Big Ten uh, when they arrived in State College. Yeah, and the way that they just physically manhandled Penn State, uh, you know, at scrimmage, especially when Illinois had the ball. I mean, if they probably could have just ran the ball on every play, and they might have actually well, won. Well, they practically the did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, they probably would have won by a large margin. But, man, that was uh, – it's still tough. It's still – I mean, we were there at the game, and you're watching it, and you're just seeing the Chase Brown and McCray just, you know, they're, they're into the secondary on every play. And, they and you know, they, they, they had no receivers out there. It was just – there was no mystery what they were going to do 85% of the time, and it didn't matter. Have, how, long, how often have you seen nine offensive linemen that often – in a game, have you ever seen that before? What do you call that? Thirteen personnel. What do you seven, you seven name for that? Now seventeen. It was, so technically, it's twelve because they had two tight ends. It so it was seven offensive linemen and two tight ends. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, the tight ends were pretty big guys too. Yeah, so they weren't going to throw the ball to them, so they might as well have been nine offensive linemen. I don't think I've ever seen that. I think I saw. And it. How many times? How many times did we see it? Ten plays oh, had to oh, be. Well, I would say more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was no reason to not run it because Penn State, it, the, the, the weird thing, Dave, was that in overtime, when the field shrunk, actually Penn State's run defense improved. It was just during the four quarters that they just had, they didn't have very many answers for this attack. 
I feel like, yeah, bizarre game in so many ways. And we really haven't had a chance to expound on it outside of the postgame video. But are you getting the sense that caveman football is back in the Big Ten? I mean, we had this thing where they're pretty much just lining up and saying, "Okay, you want to stop us? Stop us. This is what we're doing. It's not like we have a secret. We're running empty with nine offensive linemen and one back. You kind of and the the quarterback doesn't run. You kind of know what we're going to (laughs) do. Then yeah. did you I see mean, the did you see the did you see the play with Michigan? There was a scrum in that Northwestern game where Hassan Haskins hit the line and the scrum went on for it had to have gone on for a good 10, 15 seconds, and it was like leatherhead football. It, did you see this play? And there were like 14 guys by the end. I'm not kidding. You think I'm exaggerating? If no, no, I know it, you're you not see kidding. It. You have to see it. There were like 14 guys in a pile and Haskins moved and all these guys moved 15, 20 yards from like the, the, the Michigan 37 to the Northwestern 43. It was amazing. Jim Harbaugh would say the football never left, Dave. It's always been this way. You just didn't realize it. <laughs> and then you've got no one's paying attention, but Wisconsin yeah. has this giant nasty 17-year-old back who who Jeff Patrikas, another great tip from Jeff Patrikas of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Sentinel yeah. before the game in August, told me about this kid. His name's yeah. Braylon Allen. He's right. like 6'2 and beefed up to 230. And he is a load and he is fast. Yeah. And he has had three 100-yard games in a row. And no one's paying attention to Wisconsin, but Wisconsin is well. Because Chaz, Chaz Malusi, the kid who was taking, being the feature you're taking back. taking Mertz out of the equation. Yes, you are. And Malusi, who was the feature back, looks much more comfortable as the changeup back. Wisconsin yeah. is back to being Wisconsin. So there's another caveman team. <laughs> and uh, the weather's getting colder. We're on the doorstep yeah. of November. And here we are with Big Ten football. Yeah. And Penn State is not yeah. equipped to play it. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Curaleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Curaleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Dave, you referenced it. I think I think it was either in your your Saturday column or your Sunday, uh, your reads piece. But the fact that Penn State's defense now that their depth is is an issue because of injuries, Adisa Isaac, PJ Mustafer, who knows what's going on with Akeem Beeman, Antonio Shelton transferred to Florida. They're playing short. They're playing only a couple of guys at tackle, a couple of guys at defensive end. And they're playing in these games where, where they can't get it off the field or are they, you know, you're, they're on the field for 95 snaps in the first game of the year. You know, these guys are never really getting rests other than maybe the Ball State game. Dave, they look like a very, very tired defense. I don't know. I don't. I think that their top end talent is still very good, but the backups and the fact that they're being out asked to do things against nine offensive linemen, I just think they're really, really fatigued. And now you got to go to Ohio State with that offensive line and Trevion Henderson and all those wideouts and a quarterback that is playing. He, I mean, he is a Heisman caliber 
uh, quarterback with what he's doing, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And I don't care if he says Sean Clifford's 100% for the game. I don't see how he can be. But, man, talk about a bad matchup. And this defense looks like it's a little bit gassed. Yeah. To you, I, I believe you asked about the defensive ends. You're only playing about the three Wait, of them. Three, yeah. And 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 all of a sudden, Ebby Katie looks a little bit worn out. I don't not think a, he came off the field. Not a huge guy, anyway. Uh, we kind of suspected he this might be a problem for him transitioning from the American Conference to the Big Ten, anyway. But it hasn't been until now. Then you've got, I mean, you've got Izzard and Tangelo playing a lot in the middle. Are they good enough? Tangelo, I think, probably is. Yeah. But he's not getting any rest either. And it's not clear whether Izzard is good enough. What do you What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I just haven't seen enough of him. I think that if Devon Ellis was 100%, because he, he, he got a little roughed up in that Iowa game as well. Yeah, I think, he hurt his forearm. He had it right. Yeah, just, he had a yeah. sleeve, I think, on his left arm. I'm not sure he's all the way back either. So the, you're talking about two and a half defensive tackles. You know, Nick Tarburton is just making cameos at defensive end. It's largely just... Arnold and Jesse Lucetta. Uh, it's it's just not good, Dave. There are some physical, physical offensive lines waiting for Penn State in the final five games. And you just their depth is now an issue. It's not going to get any better. And if they're only going to be able to score 17 to 20 points a game, best case, it just doesn't bode well uh, for this team, obviously against Ohio State, but you know, Michigan, Michigan State. It's even Maryland. I mean, I you just they don't have any. This doesn't seem like they have any room for error, Dave, and and that's not good uh, with that schedule. No, and so the natural question people are asking is: Is this a six and six team? Is it a five and seven team? People are assuming they can win at Maryland and beat Rutgers, but can we really assume that? Right. Uh, that would make them seven and five and. You're, you're going to play a very physical Michigan team who is into bully ball right now. And uh, Ohio State could beat them up like crazy. They might be able to name the score. The only thing I worry about, wonder about Ohio State is, if you look at who they've played, are, and, and of course they're probably good enough to beat Penn State, especially in Penn State's condition. That's a given. Yeah. But are they really as good as what we've seen the last month, month and a half? Because they haven't played anybody. They haven't played a damn team yet other than Oregon. And I don't know what to think of them. Ohio State, Penn State is never great of Ohio State. Right. Uh, that's the one ace in the hole that Penn State might have. They've, they've, they know they've, they've never been intimidated in there. And Franklin's teams, when they've been backed against the wall, have usually played pretty well. But this feels like a different situation. It feels like James Franklin kind of wants to get out of here. It, it has to me for a while, and that's why I, every time this USC job has come open, the only the only problem was they couldn't unload Clay Helton. Well, everything changed when they finally did, and this has been going on for three years. And now, well, what if you're USC? What if you're the trustees there? What if you're the guys in the in the committee who want to make that choice? Mm-hmm. You see this Illinois thing. Is he really top on your list? We're facing a situation where there might might have to be an uneasy truce between Franklin, the administration, the money guys who kind of want him out at this point, but really can't fire. I don't think he's going to be fired this year. I, I mean, I've been talking you think about they, that. You think they want him out? I'm just saying that things 
spiral down really quickly. When they start going south, they go south fast and people make decisions they might not otherwise. If, if this thing gets to five and seven, all of a sudden it becomes possible, don't you think? But, but I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't think there's a situation, a scenario where James Franklin would be fired but we could potentially go from this discussion of some, if someone's going to steal them from another school to that, which is actually remarkable in itself. That's, that's all I'm saying. The pivot point, right? The pivot point has been the health of one player. And that's also an issue at Penn State. I mean, the Sean Clifford, we saw the first 20 minutes of the Iowa game, even though he threw two interceptions, that offense looked like it was rolling and it looked like, Iowa was in deep, deep water. They were gonna, they were gonna chop that team up. They were gonna score thirty-eight. They what Purdue, yeah, they had. I think Purdue probably watched. They probably yes. watched what Yurcich did and said, "Hey, man, this is what we got to do." They had them. <laughs> they had them, and they just couldn't. They couldn't finish it because they just didn't have the personnel to do it. But the pain that Sean Clifford was in on Saturday, Dave, and you, you would see him. He, there was a play where he didn't even get hit, and he just, it just looked like he moved his torso the wrong way. And it looked like he was in just tremendous pain. And to hear your, to your point about James, for him to say he felt great on Sunday, which I, I, there's no chance that happened. And then yeah. he expects him to I be mean, 100%. Who do, you think, who do you think you're kidding? <laughs> I, I really, I thought it was when people talk about how, oh, the players have too much power now. Players are getting paid. You know what? You go out there, you fat ass, you, you, you know, you 55 year old who's never played and don't don't know what that's like to feel like that. Yeah. I thought it was borderline athlete abuse to put Sean Clifford out there. I don't think he should have played. I think they should have run read option with Taquan Roberson. He showed that he could do it for a moment there in the Iowa game. They drove, what was it, 12 plays to a field goal. Yeah. He looked pretty good running inside zone. He's yeah. fresh. I think that was the way to go. I thought that was the way to go before the game. I was a little bit stunned that Clifford came out there, and I thought that was reckless to put him out there. He is a tough dude. There's no question about it, but I just – I don't know how he could have felt great the day after that game. Uh, I just don't know how. But, again, we don't really know officially what's bothering him. It's definitely upper body. You could tell – you could just tell how he reacted. And I, 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 I'm with you, Dave. I don't know – Illinois hit him quite a bit. He was sacked four times. He, he carried another time, but that, that was it for him running. But I think he took some other shots. He took a late hit uh, that doesn't really show up. They didn't call it. He took a lot of punishment. And uh, you can say what you want about the Buckeyes' defense, but they're bigger and faster than Illinois' defense. I don't know. They might not be that well-coordinated. But I mean, it's it, and he's talking about having him run the ball now again <laughs> against Ohio State. I'm like, that does not sound. You remember two years ago, he he had to take himself out of the Ohio State game because he was fighting through something, and he tried to run the ball, Dave, and he they they had to put Levis in, and we didn't see him for a while. When you put all this stuff together, I just think things could get rolling downhill really yeah. quickly. The I don't I'm not even talking about the Ohio State game because we we saw saw a couple lines yesterday. What was it, fifteen or sixteen? Opened at 12, went to 18 and a half in the blink of an eye, and it's at 19 now as we talk about it. Could the line get big enough for you not to lay the points at this point? Ooh, that's a really good question. I would say uh, no, because 
It's not necessarily that Penn State's outgunned. It's just that Clifford's health to me. You just you saw you saw what happened uh, both in the second half of the Iowa game when he wasn't in there, and B when he was about forty or fifty percent. I don't know whatever he was against Illinois. He had that one long touchdown pass, and then he had eighteen completions that were not. He had nineteen completions. One was for forty-two yards. The other eighteen for were for like a hundred and twenty-three yards. So. I mean, everyone knows that, you know, he's probably not going to be able to throw the ball deep. They're going to try and hit him. And, yeah, the, that's the long answer to your question is I'm probably going to lay the points. No so, so, so to me, this, this game really isn't even a focus as long as it becomes not a complete embarrassment. Yeah. If, if they still, to me, if they cover, it'll be a minor miracle. And it'll be a, a bit, huge achievement if they, if they simply right. stay within, what you said, yeah. it's 19 now? 19, yeah. If they keep that game within 20 points, it's yeah. a victory to yeah. me. And and you, the one thing I would say is even in the even as disappointing as that Illinois loss was, it's not like Penn State, especially on defense, didn't fight. I mean, it's not like Sean Clifford didn't try everything in his power to try and get that team, especially late in the game, uh, in position for a winning field goal try. It's just they're not built like other teams are built. They're built more like, uh, it's not this extreme, but you know how Maryland is built with a, with more greyhounds than pit bulls is the way yeah. I put it. Yeah. Where the, the longer the season gets going, they start to, some of those athletic specimens start, start to get picked off. They've lost two of their, their main wideouts who are really good. Uh, Jay Sean Jones and Dante Dimas. They're yeah. down to Rakeem Garrett. They can't play bully ball at all. Uh, Penn State has recruited a lot of guys with speed. That's the the trend of college football, they say, is speed, 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 run down guys, don't necessarily hit them in the mouth. Well, you know what? The Big Ten is still hit them in the mouth football in November, and they're facing a month of a very challenging schedule yeah. with five five teams. They've already had their bye. To me, that at Maryland game becomes the crucible. Maryland is a dead team walking right now. Yeah. If you can't go in there and beat that team now, I mean, they just got rolled at Minnesota, and it wasn't really even a close game. Minnesota's another team playing, playing smash mouth. Yeah. Uh, they are built for it. My man, P.J. Um, Fleck, Dave. It's my man, P.J. Fleck. <laughs> well, you know, they got three. They Have, have you heard of this before? They have had five, five different running backs run for 100 yards in a game. That's incredible. I mean, it State, is incredible. Penn State's vaunted running back room, they, don't, they haven't even sniffed 100 yards in a game by anyone this well, year. Well, Mo Ibrahim, Ibrahim at yeah. the start of the season, he got hurt. Trey Potts got hurt a couple weeks ago, and they just keep reaching up on the shelf for another running back and it doesn't matter because their offensive line opens holes big enough for you to get through and that's that's what glenn mason not offended not offended go ahead what 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 tracy clays and jerry kill had before that's minnesota's personality is penn state built for november i don't know the one the one championship they had remember um cabinda and bell were out for the first what was it six weeks uh, they, I think it was right around the Minnesota or Ohio State games that they. I think they came back four. Back. They came back four Ohio State. Yeah, I think that's right. And that was about week seven, so they were kind of fresh in a weird way because they were injured, but they came back fresh, which with 
they they had all the very vitality back, and they played they played like it. They played great games against Ohio State in that twenty four twenty one game. I don't know if this is a roster that's built for this grind in the Big Ten in the cold weather, and whether it's Franklin or whoever takes over for him, that's a question moving forward because Ohio State has everything. Right. Uh, but but the the teams who have had the most success yeah. recently are Wisconsin, other other than that. Wisconsin, <laughs> strangely, Northwestern, which is based has another couple of really good running backs, even though they're not a very good team. Yeah. And and Minnesota, outside of Michigan, yeah. these are all smash mouth football teams. Yeah. Penn State is not. Can this can this yeah. template work go, going forward? Boy, the evidence is no. You know, when James Franklin pulled the cord on Kirk Shiraka right after the 2020 season, and when he brought he brought Mike in, he said it was his mantra the whole time. He wanted to do three things. He wanted to play with tempo, big plays, protect the football, score quick, score in the 40s. He referenced that. And they were trying to design an offense before Sean Clifford that could maybe be, maybe do that. Uh, it didn't always work. Obviously, it didn't work at Wisconsin. But to your point, they're recruiting like they want to play those kind of games and not the smash mouth games. They want to score a lot. And then they want to turn their athletes loose on a team that maybe can't play smash mouth if they're down 21 points. But they never got there. So uh, I see your point. But I also know that I just think that, man, if they don't have an offense and a quarterback that can get they can consistently score at least in the low 30s, mid 30s. They're going to be in trouble, just like you said, because yeah, and, and Illinois me, Illinois had them in the right kind of game, and they played keep away. They, Illinois could have had more points, and they used that offensive line, and they just beat them up. To me, the missing ingredient is still Penn State's offensive line. Yeah. Because they, they would be more versatile, and they could control games like this if they could successfully run the ball when people right. know they need to run. And they've never been able to do it. Did you ever hear the phrase vertical push before today? <laughs> I was, that was another one. He was like, yeah, we need to get more vertical push. Isn't push by definition kind of that way? Was that well, redundant? you're talking about coaches have always talking about going vertically. They mean down. Yeah, you ne- I never heard vertical push those two words together. You're being picky. I am not. I am not. Just coaches push. have been, been talking going vertical with the passing game forever. Yeah, but not vertical, vertical push from the offensive line. I mean, is there a horizontal push? No, there's not. It's push. Well, there isn't a stretch play. Hmm. I would go with diagonal push. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are. You know, they're doing. They're trying everything, Dave. They they flip flop the center and the guard, Miranda and and Scruggs. You're starting to see Bryce Effner play. By what they're doing, they know they've isolated the, and the tight ends are not blocking well, but they're trying for the, to find the right combination in the middle of the offensive line, I think. And, and I think they're going to keep experimenting. I wouldn't be surprised if Scruggs is now the center and Miranda goes back to the guard spot where he played better at last year. But I think the middle of the line, the, they are just in short yardage. You just hold your breath. You know, in that on that overtime play where they went for it on like fourth and one and Warren looked like he was stopped. And he just kind of snuck through there. It looked like that play was over. They just cannot convert short yardage plays. They can't meanwhile, meanwhile, the Fighting Illini of Illinois converted on not one, not two, not three, but four two-yard quarterback sneaks. <laughs> yeah. Every one of them. It was four for yeah. four. Yeah. Four for four. Yeah. 
you're right. Saturday night's going to be real interesting for everything that you discussed, whether it's James's future, whether it's Penn State's future this year, um, and just whether or not the defense isn't just starting to completely wear out because Brisker's hurt, Mustafer's out. You know, those linebackers have already made a lot of tackles. Arnold Ebikati, I want you wonder, you know, he, they list him at 250 at the beginning of the year. He's probably lost some weight. There were times where he, he, he just got caught up in the wash against Illinois' offensive line. He did make a couple of plays late, but Dave, they, they're running out of bodies. And this is not a stretch where you want to be thin in your front seven. Yeah, and they, they I counted up the number of extra plays in Yeah, you had overtime. 33, I think, right? 33 extra snaps. That's offense and defense. But I, I didn't actually count up the number on defense, but I think it's a little bit more. I, I'm looking at it's probably, I'm guessing, probably 18 extra snaps for that defense. Yeah. It's not like they needed that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we yeah. talked last week about how they needed this game to be easy and get the starters out. Yeah. <laughs> well, so much for that. Yeah, James is going over all the things they did right. They so they won the turnover turnover battle turnover battle three to nothing, and they still got beat in overtime by the Illini. It's just it's the stink of this loss, man. It's just not going to go away. And until something, until until you could see the Sean Clifford you saw in the in the first quarter and early in the second quarter against Iowa, they're just it just looks like they're outgunned. Obviously, some things to clean up. <laughs> Thankful for the opportunity. We're thankful for the opportunity that you came and listened to us today. That's a fair question, Dave. That's, that's a fair question. question. Yeah, right. that's a good question. Sure. I could talk about that. Uh-huh. We will uh, We'll be out in Columbus this weekend to document what happens at the Horseshoe beginning around 730 on Saturday. Oh, that's, that's something else. That's something else. He called it the big house. I didn't even mention that. <laughs> He's not distracted or anything. Yeah. I swear, he lo- he sounds like he's got the start of a really bad cold or bronchitis. I just don't think it's been a great week for James Franklin. I really, yeah, I, I really don't. So we'll be uh, we'll be back later in the week. Uh, we'll be out in uh, at the Horseshoe in Columbus. That's it for this edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. He's David Jones. I'm Bob Flounders. Uh, we'll see you guys later this week. Adios. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.